1: hosted on dimlywit.com Four, three, two,
2: my name is dr Daryl appleton and this is feelings and other f-words this f-word has deep roots and We're talking about full or famished, not in a dieting sense, but in a dating sense. There has been so much research and blogs and articles and TikToks and all this stuff about relationships and relationship advice. It blows my mind. It seems like if you're single, it's probably the number one thing, if not top three, that you're worried about, because as humans, we have this desire, this need to settle down or to be seen and heard by our counterpoint in another. And I think that our society has perpetuated this idea of needing a partner, needing a relationship, that all of a sudden we have more and more toxic traits that come from it. I'm not saying they didn't exist before, but now we just have names to it. And after the break, we're gonna dive into one of those names with my friends from the Bad Examples podcast, Tracy and Jessica, as we talk about breadcrumbing and their experience and their own vulnerabilities in their, their lives and their viewers' lives, we're, we're really going to unpack some of that in the only way the baddies know possible, which is full entertainment. Uh, so definitely you don't want to miss that after the break, but before that, we got to We got to get into the nerdy stuff before we can do the cool girl stuff. So when I was thinking about this idea, it actually came from a DM um, that came my way. And it was this like Carrie Bradshaw type philosophical question of 2022. And it really made me pause. And let me just read it to you. The DM said, Dear Dr. Daryl, in a world of dating and relationships, can we survive on breadcrumbing alone? And this went, I went into full orbit of like, We got to get to the bottom of this like we got to get to the bottom of what what is making people accept less than they deserve and i was reading this blog and i came across this term of emotional hunger and i mean what right when we're let's link the two right let's link like diet and dating in terms of like analogies and terminology when we talk about emotional hunger versus real love and diet culture versus nutrition or healthy eating Like the parallels we can see. And I think a lot of us binge and purge relationships. I think a lot of us don't take on high, high nutritional value, high healthy fat content, if you will, in partners, because we're looking for something different, whether it's something that's meeting a craving we have or a quick and easy fix, or we don't know what we need. There's something to be said about this emotional hunger that infiltrates all of us at some point in time. Now, again, like all things we do on this show, it's important to dissect it. It's important to name it and understand what's happening with it. So I kind of went into the research of number one, maybe I'm just crazy because I've been not single for a hot second and I've never been on dating apps. So I haven't been in the wild west of dating. So maybe it's just me. Maybe I'm just hearing The worst parts of people's stories, because that's what happens when you're a therapist, coach, person that people tell their problems to, right? But I looked at this study, this recent study that was about dating and satisfaction with online dating, and 67% of people who are single and dating online said their dating lives were going not too well to not well at all. 67%. That's a lot. That's a lot of people. And on the other side, 75% found that dating online was somewhat to very difficult. Like that is a decent amount of people who are struggling and not feeling like they're doing well in their struggle. So I felt kind of validated to continue on with this subject because so many people outside the people talking to me were feeling this. Now, this emotional hunger. I think this is our ground zero. I think like this is where we start before we launch into bad behaviors before we launch into all these different terminologies of ghosting and submarining and sad fishing and kitten fishing all of that stuff comes from this idea of emotional hunger and this idea that we all want to be seen and heard but we mistake the hunger for love that's when we get a little bit messed up there's kind of two schools of thought here One track says that emotional hunger comes from childhood, as all things do. Doesn't mean your parents didn't love you. It just means how you were brought up matters and how you were shown love or were not shown love or given what you need manifests in partners that you're seeking today. I think there's a meme out there that says like what you didn't get from your parents, you're trying to manifest in a partner. And for some of you, you might feel personally attacked. And I'm sorry, but. There it is. It does absolutely happen. It's not the case in every story that I've heard. Not not at all. Some of us have been traumatized along the way to make us feel like we were unlovable, whether that was a relationship that ended poorly or having this failure to launch in relationships where it just never really got going. And we start to almost get the yips like athletes do. Like we start to almost get into our head about it. And then all of a sudden, like, The hunger persists and it becomes more and more because the thought of it being satisfied, the thought of our hunger getting satisfied feels so far away. So we start to freak out a bit. But this really led me down into the world of attachments. And there are four major types of attachments. We talk a lot about it in psychology. But the four types of attachments are secure, anxious, avoidant, and disorganized. Now, anxious attachment develops when you're constantly worried that your partner's going to leave you or won't be there when you need them, and it can lead to clinginess or needy behavior. We see a lot of this in checking phones and jealousy. And if we looked past back in a timeline of somebody's life, I'm sure we could start to see patterns of when people who love them or were supposed to love them weren't there for them. This idea of abandonment issues, this concept of feeling like, you know, they had to parent themselves, potentially, or, you know, they had to be their own best friends, people constantly letting them down, would absolutely lead to an anxious attachment, which would make it very hard to bond with other people, because we're looking for the worst, we're on defense mode. Avoidant attachment, on the other end, is a different subtype of insecure attachment. And it develops when you're unwilling or unable to get close to somebody, and you might distance yourself emotionally or physically from your partner, which can actually lead to feelings of rejection and loneliness to the person with the avoidant attachment. And the avoidant attachment is to create this wall, this barrier. I'm not going to let you close enough to me to hurt me. But in the meantime, I'm not getting what I need from you. So I feel rejected or I feel lonely all over again. And it's almost this form of like self-punishment and this cycle of insanity. Now, disorganized attachment is you kind of do both. You have this mixed approach of avoidance and insecurity or, or, sorry, anxiousness to your partner, and it leads to feelings of confusion and fear and anxiety in, in your relationships. Your partner doesn't know what to expect from you. You don't know what to expect from you. And it, again, leaves us feeling emotionally hungry for more. We know something's off. Yet we continue to do these behaviors. We're not fixing the attachment style. Thus, we are not quelling our emotional hunger. And the last one is secure attachment. And this is the healthy one, right? It develops when you feel comfortable with somebody and you feel comfortable and confident that they can meet your needs. And you have a strong bond and you rely on each other physically and emotionally in this appropriate way where they're not your end all be all. And there's a life outside of them that you have with yourself in the very physical sense, but also metaphoric sense. Like you are not one. Uh, It's kind of like this overlap of like we fit really well together. Sidebar, the best book that I have ever seen to describe this is Shel Silverstein, the children's author. Um, I think it's called like the missing piece and the big O best book I have ever seen just to describe healthy attachment styles and healthy relationships uh, with other people. So check that one out You might even have it on your bookshelf at home from your children, but that is a really great one that accurately describes all of this. It's when we try to start fitting missing pieces or, or ill fitting pieces into our lives and to become whole rather than making ourselves whole that things start to get all crazy and messed up. No, I didn't do it justice. Read the book. It takes like five and a half minutes, but you're welcome in advance. Children's books, some of them get it right. But this is like, this leads us into this idea that we binge and purge relationships. It leads us into this idea that, again, we don't get what we need from the nutrients out of our relationship. Like we're not eating We're not dating for a way that suits us. We're not, our dating pyramid, if you will, is off. And I think that it leads to some of these horror stories that we hear with dating. And in fact, there was a research study done that said like, maybe AI, maybe, you know, artificial intelligence can pick better partners for us. Even the robots couldn't figure it out because relationships are so complex. For those of you out there that, And this doesn't even need to be dating. This can absolutely be even within your romantic relationships or partnerships or marriages. Like, this doesn't necessarily just mean single people because we're all trying to just figure it out. But I think that when we look at it, robots can't even get it right for us because it's so complex. So if you haven't figured it out, please know you're not alone. Space robots can't do it either. This leads the way, though circling all the way back. Um, and after the break that's coming up very soon, we'll dive into this breadcrumbing idea a little bit more. But this leads to some of these dating terms that have come up. And I think they've come up from this emotional hunger because everybody is out there feeling a little famished. Now, you might have heard of cuffing season or catfishing or ghosting. But these are some of the ones when I ask my viewers to send me in their dating terminologies that they came up with that I thought was as hysterical and I had never heard before. Um, one of them was groundhogging and this, I love because this idea of groundhogging was going after the same type of person or dating the same type of person over and over again, but expecting different results. The other one, and I've talked about this before, um, and I've known about this because I'm so hip, clearly not, but, haunting and caspering it's kind of adjacent to ghosting ghosting is when obviously you know they just die on you they swayze you you are just they're just gone and you never hear from them again but a haunting is when they keep tabs on you via social media or they look at your online stories or maybe they're even commenting here and there Uh, it's the same thing as i also have heard from uh some of my viewers some of my followers about uh orbiting orbiting and haunting are very similar where you may not be dating but you orbit around the celestial body and you keep that person within your orbit by being a distant but some somewhat of a presence and then the caspering is a friendly ghost and this to me gets into like the breadcrumbing place that Tracy Jess and I talk about this idea that you're a friendly ghost. You say hi and check in and maybe it's happy birthday and maybe it's this, but this idea of like a friendly ghost of sorts and how that can be really confusing and offset our, and and leave us feeling a little bit more famished rather than full. And I think it's also important to note that you could feel really full in a healthy relationship, but the second you're starting to get Either love bombing or breadcrumbing, or somebody that's orbiting around you, it might make you feel less secure in your fullness in your other relationship, right? It's it's distracting and it's making you question like, did I actually eat enough? Did am I still hungry? Do I want a piece of cake? Like, all that kind of metaphorically into our dating world, it it causes confusion. There was also the one that I liked the most was kitten fishing, which had to be described to me. But kitten fishing is the baby version of catfishing. Catfishing is obviously completely misrepresenting who you are. Like, you know, for those of you out there who are dating Chris Brown, I can assure you, you are probably not, but have never seen him in person. Um, That's not him. It's probably somebody you know. I've seen the show. But kitten fishing is slightly misrepresenting yourself. So you're not, you know, Kira Knightley looking, but maybe you face tune the hell out of your face, or maybe you completely lied about your height, something like that. Or you're using pictures from like five years ago versus your post baby pictures, which listen, I'm not mad at you. I'm really not. But kitten fishing is a term. So it is out there. And then the one I want to end on before we go into the break is love bombing, because We talk about love bombing a lot. New York Times did an article on it, but love bombing is actually incredibly manipulative and destructive, and it can be really abusive. And love bombing is when people show over-the-top displays of affection, admiration, attention, to really sweep people off their feet. This idea that we're soulmates, we were meant to be together, and like there's this intensity and... There's this overly neediness that surrounds it. You know, these are people who get upset with your boundaries that you set or they demand your undivided attention. They'll pout when you're on the phone with your friends or make you feel really bad when you go out, you know, or they're bombarding you with calls or text messages. Love bombing feels like it's a light and fun word. But this is the one that I say people to definitely watch out for, because this can get really manipulative really quick. And we have an episode on functioning and dysfunction. And a lot of times this love bombing is a big part of that dysfunction. And it can get really toxic if we don't figure it out with our partner or don't leave the situation. So it's there's a lot here when we're talking about this idea of feeling famished in our relationships and this emotional hunger. And all of these symptoms that we're seeing coming from emotional hunger really just circling around us and very prevalent in the dating world or in the relationship world. So after the break, again, I'm with my friends, the baddies from the Bad Example podcast, Tracy and Jessica, and we're breaking down breadcrumbing and more. Alan is with us, too, our amazing producer that we share. So you definitely don't want to miss that.
0: So stay tuned after the break.
2: welcome back to feelings and other f-words we have in the studio with us the ladies from bad examples tracy and jessica
1: so uh, doc tell us about you know we're learning all these words and breadcrumbing is a especially interesting one to me because although it's a small word and there's so many words to describe so many things i feel like this is one of the biggest when it comes to men and what they do to women. And I feel like also,
0: I feel it's the most obvious. Like when you say breadcrumbing, I'm like, I can figure that out whether I know what it is or not. Yeah. But I feel like, like leaving little hints and trails to find it. But I feel back.
1: like as women, this happens to us all the time and we have no clue it's happening because, oh, no, I don't
0: know. what's happening It's manipula- like, yeah.
1: it, like breadcrumbing. You would use explain it as like a manipulative thing. Like they they know what they're doing right when they breadcrumb you. Can you break it down for us, doc? Obviously, I'm a huge nerd and I look
2: everything up because I want to know why. Like, I want to know why this happens in the brain through science. And it's interesting because scientifically and neuropsychologically, people who breadcrumb tend to have lower self-worth because they attach their self-worth to other people's attention. Mm -hmm. So like all these guys out there, girls too, sure, whoever, people, like when they're breadcrumbing, they're getting what they need back. Because it's like this little bit of like, oh, do they still like me? Yeah, they do. Okay, I can go. Oh, oh, you're still into it? Okay, l- let's, let's go. So they get these like actual dopamine hits in their brain. Mm-hmm. And there's even science that shows that we become addicted to it. It's why people can't have relationships longer than six months. Because at some point, and love is a chemical, it's called neuropeptide oxytocin. When it runs out, you start to have withdrawals. And it naturally runs out. And it's about at that six month mark. That's why things go really well. And then all of a sudden at six months, people are like, I don't feel the same. Yeah, no shit. You can't, like your brain can't sustain it. This is
0: me, this is wild. (laughs) I get so bored. I just, I chalk it up to being like, I'm so bored. I get bored of people.
2: And that's because it's probably so intense in the beginning of your relationship. It is Mm -hmm. always,
0: I'm such an intense person. I go from zero to 100 with them. I know in the first 10 minutes of meeting them then the first week, like whether I want to be with them or not.
2: Same. And it also translates to our kids. Like we're usually so intense in the beginning, being like, We're gonna have a great time. And then, like, because kids are kids, we we get worn out or we're like, I'm I'm done with this. Like, let's go home, pack up, we're yeah. done with Disneyland. Like, let's yeah. go. Classic get, me. Get yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it, it comes from this intensity. And like, if we're gonna go deep into like the therapy psycho psychology part of it, a lot of times, like we grew up in families where like it was intense. Like we either loved hard and like we fought hard. So we're used to intensity, and that's the baseline. But, in reality, like we need something way more stable. We can't have the high highs and the low lows because it fucks with us. Mm-hmm. So when we're talking about breadcrumbing, there's actually a lot of research that shows that people who get breadcrumbed on the back end, they actually have lower self-worth, lower satisfaction with uh, dissatisfaction with life, and they they perceive loneliness higher than people who get ghosted. So we're seeing that breadcrumbing, messes with us way more than never hearing from somebody ever again. And that to me is crazy. That is crazy. It's it's really sad
0: actually, <laughs> like that we do this to
1: each other. You I know, feel what I feel mean? like
0: such a piece of shit because I know I do this all the
1: time. <laughs> well, I don't care that you're doing it to men. They probably deserve it. It's okay. fine. Okay. So I'm off probably get a dose of their own medicine. It's hard because I think like we want we all
2: want attention. And there's nothing wrong with that. Like we can't demonize that. It's the human experience. We want to be seen. We want to be heard. Who doesn't want that? We're all on a podcast for Christ's sakes. Like we want to be seen and heard. It's a thing. But at the end of the day, when you live and die by it, then all of a sudden you're putting your life, your happiness, your well-being into somebody else's hands. And that's when it becomes dangerous.
1: Whoa. I know. Whoa. (laughs) Us explaining stuff earlier was so like, (laughs) <laughs> like, yeah this fucking guy we know he orbited my ass fuck him yeah now it's like the neuropsychosis
0: and, double, and <laughs> yeah. i'm just like i don't know any of those words mean. i'm just you right there i went to beauty school
2: but i mean when you break it down into like why we do it hopefully it makes it easier to understand either how to see it or how not to do it ourselves because mm-hmm. like at the end of the day like we just want peace we want to be happy like if i talk to anybody like all my clients at the end of the day that's what they want and we get in our own ways because we don't know how to get it. No one's taught us how to get there. No one's shown us what to look for. So hopefully when we can explain it, and I'm glad you guys are having these conversations because once you know better, hopefully you can do better. But uh sometimes that doesn't always work out either.
0: Like, <laughs> get me out of here.
2: <laughs> it's definitely a thing though. I like I think I think intent matters, right? There is an intent piece to all of this. Like when we're breadcrumbing, like, I'm sure we all know, and maybe Tracy, you know, like I know what I'm doing. Like I know know exactly what I'm doing. And I think that's the thing, right? It's one thing to be like, Hey, hope you're well, hope everything's good. And like, happy birthday. Like we're all happy in our lives. It's another thing that's like, I'm, I know you're in a good relationship and I'm going to send this text and fuck something up because like, I want, you know, the attention or like you hurt me. And this is my way to kind of hurt you back. So I, I think with breadcrumbing, like anything, the intent,
1: matters a lot mm-hmm. we have some questions from the baddies for you because we said what do you want to ask a serious person that knows what you're <laughs> talking about and they said dear doc how do you know the difference between love and lust or if you're just lonely whoa Ooh.
0: that's amazing that that's ignorant. a key question.
1: That is a really deep question. Love, lust, or lonely, or all of the above,
2: all of the (laughs) above. I think at the end of the day, it's about understanding what each of those things means to you. Because, like, I don't think we do a great job of like defining things in our life. So, if I were to ask this person or any of you, like, what is love? (laughs) Baby, don't hurt me. But I think there's something. Don't hurt me. I know. I couldn't. Don't hurt (laughs) me.
1: No more. What is love? So Tracy, don't have <laughs> No,
0: <more>. Copyright infringement.
2: <laughs> but, like, people can't explain that. And sometimes I like, and I work with a lot of executives and, you know, people in the C suite, and always their relationship comes up. And this idea of, Even having like lust for work and not wanting to be home and like the idea of lusting after something, its not doesn't have to be someone, but something else is exciting, but the love is there at home, like their their home base and and that touch point, or I'm doing something to pass the time because I am lonely. I think like understanding like what that means in your world is going to help you break down where you're putting your effort and energy into and what you're trying to avoid or what you're trying to actually go to. I will say six months in the beginning of every relationship is all lust, all lust, all of it.
0: Mm.
2: Whether you say you you love each other or not, I'm gonna, sorry, not sorry, I'm gonna say it's all lust, and that's okay. But once you get into the love pieces, like once you've had your first fight and figured it out, once you've had that healthy conversation, once you've done hard things together, and I don't know, maybe it's IKEA furniture, I don't know, like, but but doing something hard together and surviving it. Now we're entering into like longer lasting love. Mm. And I think that's like the important piece of that people don't always understand. It's not a feeling necessarily behind it, it's an experience. Well,
1: Let's take another question from our baddies. Is it normal to kind of fall out of love during marriage? Roommates with separate bedrooms. Ooh, oof. Oh, honey. Yes, that's no separate good. Separate <laughs> bedrooms
0: are a huge problem. Kinda.
1: I think
2: I think the answer is yes. Like, yeah, it is normal in the sense of like, you guys need to work at marriage. And again, unpopular opinion, but in healthy relationships, whatever that really means, right? You work at your marriage because like, that's the thing that keeps the rest of the stuff together. And the second you don't work at your marriage, you do become roommates. You become parents to your children. You become people that just cohabitate and you split bills together. It's all those love languages. Like that's what keeps things going. That's what keeps it of like, I choose you and I choose you every day. The second your partner stops choosing you, all of a sudden it's like, well, I could get something somewhere else or I'm gonna lean harder into work. And then all of a sudden my loneliness is creeping back up and I'm finding other things to fill that void or or other people.
1: What do you say to someone that, is at the point where they've been married, like not long, like maybe a couple of years in and they've got separate bedrooms going on. Like, is that a good thing to do? Or should they try to make their way back to the same room? There's no
2: research that supports one way or the other, uh, because I've looked it up because people have asked me that, but I will say the less physical time you have together, the less, and I'm going to call it intimacy, not sex, but the less like time you are spending physically together, having shared moments from like sleeping and like that wind down at night, you need to supplement it somewhere else. Then if you're like, listen, my husband snores. I can't, I'm cranky. We got to wake up. Like, I don't, I don't like it. I like sharing a bed. Cool. That's fine. But what are you doing on the back end to Mm. have special time with just the two of you? Because it needs to be somewhere else. Mm. Well, how often do you sit down and you talk with your significant other about like the things to do around the house or the kids or like, you're not dating anymore. Like you're not getting to know each other, even though you guys are all, you're still growing. Yeah. So nine times out of 10, when I work with couples, they, they stop talking to each other. Like literally they stop having conversations and they start, you know, just repeating their to-do list back and forth. Or they're talking about like, where are we sending Bobby to school? Like, Oh my God. Like, did we, did we get, you know, everything we need for Christmas and it just becomes like more stuff versus like content, like versus like actual conversation. And that's when things start to, to fall apart a little bit when we don't have that connection.
1: Well, let me ask you this, because a baddie wants to know, dear Dr. Daryl, can you rekindle after it seems like it's fizzled out? Yeah. You can?
2: Yeah. It takes Whoa. work. It takes work. I usually put people on like a
1: 60-day performance
2: plan, 60, 90 days, just Whoa. like you would at work. And I say to my couples for the next 90 days, I want you to give a hundred percent to each other because if you can't give 90 days of a hundred percent, you're not going to do another nine years. And when I say a hundred percent, I mean like, what are you guys, what are the goals here? If it's date night, once a week, if it's, we have, you know, tequila and talking on Tuesdays, like, cool. Like that's your thing. But the second you start making excuses or other things become more important, or you're not making up missed appointments with your significant other. Then all of a sudden, like you're showing me, this is not important to you. Mm-hmm. So like my recommendation, but at the end of those 90 days is either like stay or go. And I, I try not to be wishy-washy in the middle with it. I try to give them like, I'm a facts girl. Like here are all the facts that you've shown me. This is all the data we've collected in the last 90 days. You've prioritized other stuff. So like, why should your partner want to stay? Well, it's always such a privilege to be a part of somebody's story and like have somebody trust you enough to tell you their stuff. Yeah. So like, I recommend therapy for everybody. Cause like, you can't get that even with your best friends. Like I'm unbiased. If I if I see something's like, I'm like, this seems off. Like, it's not cause I like the guy, I don't like the guy, I like your mom, don't like her. I have no skin in the game. So it's kind of nice when I'm like, hold on, what did you just say? Let's rewind that. Like, that sounds so fucked up.
1: Yeah. Thank you so much, dog. Thank you, you for been talking amazing. to us. I'm telling you, like, I would love to keep you on speed dial. And when we need help every episode, um, with real questions, like just to get your wisdom because man, you are on point with these things. Mm-hmm. Thank
2: you. ladies. I listen, call me up. I'm here. I always, I'm a, a lifelong baddie. So That's awesome. keep me up to date and I will see you guys soon. Don't forget to like, follow, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.
1: Hosted on dimlywit.com.